0: In December of 1999, we as a church gathered together for a Christmas Eve service at Van Andel Arena in downtown. That was a rather expensive proposition for our church, but it was justified by the fact that it's important occasionally for our church to be able to gather together as one body and to worship the Lord. Well, here we are 17 years later, and God has made it possible for us to have two months of doing this at a fraction of the cost per week of what that service 17 years ago cost us. And I look, and I'm simply overwhelmed at the blessings and the goodness of God. And to be honest, I had no idea that this journey would lead us to this place, a place where God is giving us something that we long for and we desire. That's just like God, isn't it? You choose obedience and sometimes you don't even know how it's going to turn out. All you know is that you're supposed to obey and you start obeying and all of a sudden you begin to see blessings. Blessings that you could have never envisioned or imagined. Well, this grace beyond journey that we're on, this building project that we're doing, this has had many of those uh, such things whereby we have simply been asked to obey without having any idea how God wanted to bless us through that. I think of one thing that the leadership was asked to do that was strongly pressed upon us that I didn't want to do But the Lord made clear, this is how I want you to do this building project. And that was, he asked that we make the project not optional, but mandatory. What I mean by that is that I wanted to have this journey that we're on be optional. I like it when people like me. I like it when people are happy with me. When you tell somebody they're required to do something, some people don't like that. And so my plan was we've done lots of things together as a church. Most, if not all of them, have been optional. We said we're going to celebrate Lent together as a church. We'd love if you want to participate. If you don't, that's fine. We said we're going to build a house for Josh and Shelly Buck, a local couple in our community who need the grace of God. If you want to participate, great. If not, that's okay. We're going to pray together for three non-Christian friends and family members every day, and when we see them come to faith, we're going to light a candle and celebrate God's faithfulness. If you want to participate in that, great. If not, okay. We did a Habitat for Humanity house. We did the mayor's uh, Grand River cleanup. All of these things were optional. That's how I wanted to do this building project. I wanted to do it as, hey, look, if you want to do this, great, and if you don't, fine. But God wouldn't let us do it that way. He impressed upon us very strongly as the leadership that this was not allowed to be optional, it was mandatory. Now what I mean by that, not mandatory that you give, I don't think we have the right to require that, but God said, I want you to require them to pray and ask me what they're supposed to give and then have them give whatever it is I tell them. Now I couldn't understand why. Why, Lord? People aren't going to like that. It was the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today that God used after the fact to explain why it had to be mandatory. And it was because God wanted to teach us something about how His grace worked That is far, far, far more important than any building project could ever be, and that in reality, the building project is just an object lesson for all of us to come to understand the truth we're going to look at this morning about a God of all grace. So what I'd like you to do is take a Bible and turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, it's page 914 in the Bibles you would have picked up on the way in if you needed a Bible. Romans chapter 5, let me remind you of sort of where we are in the book of Romans and some of the truth that we've been hearing recently. God has said to us in the craziest possible way that even though we were once his enemies because of our own sinfulness, we now have peace with God through Jesus. Not just that we're neutral with God, not just that God is kind of okay with us, not just that God is not angry with us, but we actually have peace with God. God is for us. God is good with us. Now, the only way for sinners who are God's enemy to be at peace with God through Jesus is if two things are true. One, that obedience must be more powerful than disobedience. That Jesus' act of obedience on the cross overwhelms Adam's disobedience and all our disobedience. We can't have peace with God unless that's true. We looked at that last week. The second thing that has to be true is that grace has to triumph over sin. That's what we get to look at this week. Romans chapter 5, just two verses, but they're really powerful and really important. Verses 20 and 21. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now when you hear this passage, the phrase that jumps out at me because it's confusing is the first one. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. Essentially what that is saying is God introduced the Mosaic law and God introduced laws and rules in general, So that trespasses would increase. Is that confusing for anybody else? That seems strange to me. Now, in order to understand what this means, it's very important to note that it doesn't say the law was brought in so that sin would increase. All right? God never wants sin to increase. Well, what's the difference? Why does he say trespass? Look up at verse 13 in this same chapter. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Essentially, there is a difference between trespass and sin. Sin is all the ways in which you and I fall short of who God wants us to be. In attitudes, in actions, and things we should do and things we shouldn't do. In every single way we fall short of who God wants us to be, that's sin. And the reality of it is Our lives are full of sin, much of which we don't even know about. We don't even know all of the ways that we fall short of who it is that God wants us to be. Trespass is much more narrow and much more specific. Trespass is when you break a command that God has given to you. Usually you know when you're doing that, or you know when you've done that. And the point that Paul is trying to make is, sin is everywhere in the world, and sin is everywhere in our lives, but you and I can't know it's sin unless God gives us the law or rules or regulations. And the reason those are given is not so that sin will increase, But so that the number of trespasses, meaning the number of ways in which we are aware of the sin that's already there, that's what's supposed to increase. Let me give you a couple examples that might help clarify. This past spring, I had the opportunity to coach my daughter Abigail's soccer team. Uh, She's in third grade. She just finished third grade. And so I'm coaching third through fifth graders. It's just in the local rec department. It was a great time for a dad and a daughter to get to do this wonderful activity together. So I show up for the coaches orientation deal and they give me my packet that kind of explains what are we looking for in coaching third through fifth graders. So I'm reading through the packet. And they say in the packet, somewhere around here, we're interested in kids beginning to learn about offsides in soccer. Now I'm not gonna explain offsides to you in soccer. It's pretty complex. Just to say, first and second graders, don't worry about offsides. But they said in the packet, third through fifth graders, we might call offsides uh, so that they will begin to understand. And I thought to myself, oh, Lord, have mercy. This is not, (laughs) I'm not going to be able to teach third through fifth graders offsides. Fortunately, they didn't call it. That wasn't, the refs didn't end up calling that. But here was the point. Those third through fifth graders at times during the soccer game were offsides. They just didn't know it. And the reason the rule is implemented is not to make them be offsides more. The reason the rule is implemented is to help them identify when it is that they're offsides. That's what Paul is saying here. God gives rules and regulations not to increase sin, but to increase our recognition that sin is there. Let me give you another example. Now for this one, I need you not to look up here at the men's bathroom to my right. Okay, now how many of you when I said that either looked or wanted to look up there? Yeah? Why? It's because there's something in our hearts that say, Leadership is always trying to make me miss something that might be really cool. I don't want to miss what's going on. It makes us think, you know when I could just glance up there and glance back. He's never going to notice. It's just over his shoulder. <laughs> is that what your heart does? That's what my heart does. It's the rule, when I say to you, don't look up there, that identifies that attitude is sometimes present in our heart. Grace Beyond is the same thing. God says, you need to make it mandatory. Now again, please hear me correctly. What's mandatory is that you, if you're a part of Calvary Church, were required to pray and ask God what to give, and then give whatever he tells you to give. And if that number was zero, you were ordered to give zero dollars by God. But the point was, once we made that rule and we have the right to do that the Bible says God has put leadership in place and we have to submit to that leadership now I don't think that we have the right to say this is how much money you have to give but I do think the leadership has the right as the church to say pray and ask God what he wants you to give and then faithfully give that I had no idea why in the world do you want us to do it this way Lord it's this passage God says, I need a rule, I need a law to identify what's going on in our hearts, because some of us, me included, when we heard we got to pray and give what God wants us to give, it highlighted some sins in our heart. It might have highlighted the sin of doubt. Is God really going to answer a prayer like that? Is he really going to give me a number to give? If he does give me a number to give, is he actually going to provide the money so that I can give that? It might have highlighted the sin of selfishness. I don't really want a new building. I'm perfectly happy the way I am. Why should I pray and ask God if I'm supposed to give something? It might have highlighted the sin of pride. I don't like, they didn't ask me if the building was supposed to look this way. They didn't pull me to see if I wanted to do this. Why should I go and ask the Lord? I might not like what they're doing. It might have highlighted the sin of a lack of submission hey, I don't want to have to pledge something. That's going to tie me down. That's going to lock me down. I just want to give as I feel that, and I'm going to wait and see how this turns out. I'm going to pray ahead of time and then tell God what I'm going to give. And the point is, God says without the law, without a rule... I can't highlight the sin that's there. This is the purpose of law. This is the purpose of rules. It's not to increase sin. It's to increase trespass, meaning it's there to help us identify the sin that's in our heart. And listen, this works in every situation of life. God is constantly doing this. When you hear James 5, Say to you and to me confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. God put that rule in there to highlight that in our hearts we don't want to tell anybody about our sins. We don't want them to see that we're fallible and that we're human. We want we're embarrassed. We don't the rule is there to highlight there's a problem in our heart. When somebody asks you if you'll pray for them regularly, and you agree to pray for them regularly, that has now become a rule or a law for you because God says, look, don't make oaths unless you plan on keeping them. And if you tell someone you're going to pray for them, let your yes be yes and your no be no. The reason he allows that to happen is to highlight that for a lot of us, we're not nearly as faithful as we think we are. And we're not nearly as disciplined as we ought to be. It's only when someone says, will you pray for me and we agree to do it, does that highlight that's a problem that we struggle with. Teenagers, when your parents say to you, here are the rules about technology and about social media, God uses that rule to highlight that you might have an addiction to technology, or to social media, or the, a lack of submission to parents. The rule is there to design or to show that there is sin that needs to be dealt with. Even, and you're not gonna like this one, because I hate it. Even when the government posts speed limits, The purpose of that law is to highlight that for many of us in our hearts, there is a lack of patience, or a lack of willingness to submit to rules that we think don't make any sense whatsoever. That's the purpose of law. Are you with me? Do you understand? That's what Paul is saying. The law was brought in so that trespass might increase, so that you and I would become aware Just how much sin is hidden in our hearts. I mean, the heart is deceptively wicked. We don't know how much darkness is in there. We need a rule. We need something to say, hey, look, do this so that our heart can say, no way, so that we can realize, what's the matter? But listen, that's only the short-term purpose of giving the law. we got to read the rest of the passage. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. The long term purpose of giving rules and laws is so that sin might be identified, so that it can be confessed, so that we can receive grace. That's the ultimate purpose. Now look at this where sin increased, Grace increased all the more. Does that say where sin increased, grace sometimes increased? No. Does it say where sin increased, grace might increase? Does it say that? No. What does it say? Literally in Greek it says this. Where sin increased, grace super increased. Took the same word for increased and added a comparative to the front of it to basically say, wherever there was sin, grace super inbounded. Grace super-increased. Now, I had a graphic that I showed you last week. Let's put that back up here, and we can talk through it again. All right, last week I showed you this graphic. If you think about sort of on the left-hand side kind of babies and Adam, where they are before they have a choice to sin one way or the other, we kind of pick that as kind of the spot where they are morally. All human beings, when we get to a certain age where we're conscious of the decisions that we're making, do what Adam did, which is choose to disobey God, and we descend into a place of being sinners, of being separated from God. But because of Jesus and his death, when we by faith accept Jesus, he elevates us not back to the level we were, but above that and gives us far beyond what we could have experienced. That distance from where it says sinners to where it says life in the spirit, that's grace. And Paul's point is let's put another kind of superimpose, another line uh, over this graphic. Imagine you had a person who represented by that red line whose sin is greater than another person's. Suppose you have a person whose sin is more heinous or more uh, is committed more often or whose life is more of a train wreck. Well, in faith in Jesus, they still end up at the exact same spot. See where it says us, life in the spirit? Everybody who believes in Jesus goes to heaven. Everybody who believes in Jesus ends up like Jesus. The only way that's possible is the more sin, the more grace. That's Paul's point, is that we see this in our salvation. It doesn't matter how deep into sin you are, the more sin there is, the more grace you get because God is going to bring you to the same point of being like Jesus and enjoying God's presence forever. But listen, this not only happens in salvation, this is true about every aspect of our lives as Christians. Let me put another slide up here that sort of uh, has to do with marriage. How many of you have ever heard somebody who's gone through this experience? We had a marriage that was about here. And then one person in the marriage committed adultery, which throws that person into sin, right? But that adultery was confessed. There was forgiveness and reconciliation. And have you ever heard somebody say, at the end, we had an even better marriage than we did before the adultery happened? Have you ever heard that? That's this passage. Where sin increases, grace increases all the more. Listen, the point is this. Every single sin is met by grace from God. Not some of them. Not they might be. Every single sin that you and I commit is met by grace from God. Listen, that's the point of discipline. The point of discipline is not for God to punish us. Listen, if God wanted to punish us, we already have enough sin in our life for him to do that. If that was his goal, we may not know it, no one else may know it, but he knows it. If his goal was to punish us, he would just get on with it and do it. That's not the goal. The goal is to be gracious to us. And in order to be gracious to us, he's got to get the sin identified as sin in our lives. But the purpose is grace. That's why he does this. Discipline comes into our life so that we might know that we've sinned. We heard David say that right in Psalm 32 that was read for your hand was heavy upon me until I acknowledged my sin, and then grace came in. Listen, did you hear Dave Bowman's testimony? Did you hear this incredible testimony? He was very emotional, which was powerful. But he was a bit understated about it. He went into this prayer garden with a critical attitude, which he couldn't have known was there if God hadn't said, we're doing this prayer garden. When he gets in there, he confesses his sin. And did you hear what he said? God gave him a miraculous physical healing that he wasn't even asking for. All God needed was for that sin to be confessed. Listen, the whole time God wanted to heal Dave. He needed Dave to confess that sin so that he could meet the sin with grace. That's been the aha moment for me with Grace Beyond. God's like, I can't show all of us collectively The sin that's in our hearts without a law but the purpose of the law was not to punish us or to reject us the purpose of the law was to highlight the sin that's in our life so that god could be gracious to us in response do you understand this listen please i'm trying my best every single sin that is confessed to god will be met with grace Every single sin that is confessed to God will be met with grace. Meaning, God will not only forgive the sin, he will move you to a place better than where you were before you committed it or confessed it. It might be a physical healing like Dave experienced. It might be some other spiritual blessing. But here's the really, really, really great news. Every single sin that you and I confess. God meets us with grace. Now what's the application of this teaching? There's one really, really wrong application. It's chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to talk about it more next week. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? The wrong application is we should have more sin in our lives god never wants sin to increase he wants our awareness of the sin that's already there to increase but he doesn't want more sin in our lives but if you hear every sin is met with grace and think i'm going to go out and commit more sins and those sins will be met with grace you're correct But you've misapplied the truth. What is the right application for this truth? God is saying, the more sins you confess, the more grace you're going to receive. While those sins stay hidden in your heart, they can't be confessed. And if they can't be confessed, I can't give you grace. And so God's purpose, grace beyond the rules your parents give you, the laws that the government gives us, the rules of things that you find in the scriptures when you listen to a sermon that tells you you're supposed to do something, whatever it is, the purpose of all of that is to highlight that you and I are shot through with sin so that we can begin to identify what those sins are so that we can confess them to God so that he can be gracious to us. Listen, every unconfessed sin is simply a rejection of the grace of God. Like Dave, God's got a healing or something waiting for you. He's got a better marriage waiting for you. He's got a better situation waiting for you. He's got more blessings waiting for you. All he needs for you and I to do is to confess that sin, and then he's now free to pour out his grace listen the reason you have to hear the living god speak to you from his word is because nothing in all the world could ever prepare us for this we think if i tell anybody the sin that's going on in my heart they're going to look at me differently my life is going to be a mess everything's going to be all messed up listen there may be some problems in the short term but the long-term promise of the living god he swore to us on his very self you will receive grace And your life will be better at the end than if you had never committed the sin in the first place.